Howdy. This is Vosh. You may know me from the YouTube channel, Vosh, where I livestream. Most of it's garbage, but sometimes the good bits get uploaded here. This is previously live. My good friend Shu. What's up? I haven't seen this video yet, so, you know, I don't know. from all across the political spectrum when I criticize corporations or talk about free speech online is they're a private company, they can do whatever they want. But what happens when the government is using said private company? Okay, wait, I wanna be clear. Just really quickly, what she said isn't wrong. I wanna be clear about my position, okay? I think that they're a company, they can do whatever they want is a good argument with respect to only one thing, and that is, having a terms of service at all like i think that if you I, I think a private organization who runs a website should have a right to have a terms of service to dictate rules for behavior on that website i don't think you should be able to join like like club penguin and start spamming the n-word in chat because technically getting banned from club penguin for saying naughty words is a terms of service agreement not technically, that's literally what it is. You know, like, I, I don't, I, I think it's okay for the Club, Club Penguin people to not want you to post, like, Mein Kampf in the, in the thing. Uh, however, that uh, they're a corporation, they can do whatever they want, isn't an excuse for them having a bad TOS. You guys understand what I'm saying? Like, I do think that a private entity has a right to have a TOS, but if the TOS is like, oh yeah, you can't be black, then it's like, well, no, that's that's not a good TOS. So you I, you have to justify it on a moral ground after that. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> In order to suppress what people can say. It's a private company, they can do whatever they want. Was never a defense. It was a threat. <laughs> is that the fucking Five Nights at Freddy's end of night noise? Is that a stock? Like children cheering noise. It is. That's so funny. I love that. Feels so good to be vindicated. Actually, no, it doesn't. Feels awful. This is a one hundred percent pure, unfiltered, unscripted rant, just like the old days. So forgive me if I randomly go off topic. But this is a very interesting story, and it absolutely could not wait. She's had that for years. Yeah, I think I've had that thought before too. I'm very small-brained. She was the white woman jump scare. No, that's not true. The white woman jump scare is like a Karen type or whatever. Like white woman jump scare is like you're going for a jog at a park and 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 you get accused of like harassing somebody because you ran past them on the trail or something. Also, she was too hot to be white woman jump scare. Aren't they supposed to All right, whatever for the next hell world like four months from now. But according to a new very detailed report from The Intercept, the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, has been closely working with social media to monitor and censor people. Wow, who could have seen this coming? F***ing everyone. Let's read some of this expose together, shall we? Get comfy, I made you some tea. Oh, here you go. I like the talking. Department of Homeland Security is quietly broadening its effort to curb speech it considers dangerous. Years of internal DHS memos, emails, and documents obtained via leaks and an ongoing lawsuit, as well as public documents, illustrate an expansive effort by the agency to influence tech platforms. Behind closed doors and through pressure on private platforms, the U.S. government has used its power to try and shape online discourse. Is this that dog shit article we looked at the other day? No, it wasn't. Oh, man. 
I really try to be nuanced with this topic because it is a nuanced topic. It wasn't a dog shit article. It's just an incomplete article, you know? Um, okay. Do you guys remember? Okay. Do you guys remember the, um, the, um, the article from the, the humanitarian organization that we disagreed with? Come on. Um, about the Russia-Ukraine war. Amnesty. Amnesty International. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amnesty International article, right? So the Amnesty International article was saying stuff like, hey, Ukrainian troops should make a better effort to, like, not be around civilian positions and blah de blah de blah you know? And, like, none of that stuff is bad or incorrect. I agree. The Ukrainian armed forces should take every possible effort to do that. <coughs> the problem was that the way the article was framed kind of, like, left out a really big factor in the equation, which was what can Ukraine do to win the war? And the suggestion of Amnesty International, which was Ukraine should set up bases in the forest, which is the most soup-brained imaginable take when talking about winning a modern conflict. I want you to imagine in a modern conflict where artillery, airstrikes, and missile strikes uh, decimate enemy positions before you even advance on them, what it would mean to set up your military fortifications in a forest or a field rather than a city. <laughs> like, yeah, just roll your armored column through this forest. Whoa, what? Insane. Insane. Yeah, and it was, they didn't consult the Ukrainian team and the head of Amnesty Ukraine resigned after that, faced a bunch of criticism. But keep in mind, the stuff that Amnesty International said in a vacuum was not false about Ukraine minimizing civilian casualties. Ah, yes, the government and corpos. Two of a thing I hate, working together. The department plans to target inaccurate information on a wide range of topics, including the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic and the efficiency of the COVID-19 vaccines, racial justice, U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, and the nature of U.S. support to Ukraine. In a March meeting, an FBI official warned that the threat of subversive information- Yeah, I saw this. There was an article posted on TechDirt which said that the Intercept story, the one that she was going over here, is garbage. I saw this right after, I think, right after I, um... I ended stream the day that we went over this. Was that yesterday? Did we go over this yesterday? Oh my god. No. No, no, no. It was the day before yesterday. Yeah. This article is garbage. It not only misreads things, it is confused about what the documents the reporters have actually say and presents widely available, widely known things as if they were secret and hidden when they are not. The entire article is a complete nothing burger and is fueling a new round of lies and nonsense from people who find it useful to misinterpret reality. Let's dig in. Back in 2018, then-President Trump signed the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency Act into law, creating the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, Jesus Christ, as a separate agency in the DHS. While there was always reasons to be concerned about government interference in various aspects of life, CISA was pretty uncontroversial, perhaps with the exception of when Trump freaked out and fired the first CISA director, I remember that, Chris Krebs, for pointing out that the election was safe and there was no evidence of manipulation or foul play. That's funny. Imagine being Trump, creating an anti-misinformation branch of the DHS, and then firing the director for not spreading misinformation. While CISA has a variety of things under its purview, 
One thing that's always been focused on is general info sharing between the government and private entities. This has actually been really useful for everyone, even though the tech companies have been quite reasonably cautious about how closely they'll work with the government because they've been burned before. Indeed, as you may recall, one of the big revelations from the Snowden documents was about the PRISM program, which turned out to be oversold by the media reporting on it, but was still problematic in many ways. Um, literally all big stories are going to be oversold by the media. The PRISM program is a pretty big deal. Mm. Since then, the tech companies have been even more careful about working with the government, knowing too much government involvement will eventually come and get everyone burned. When I read the story, it, se it seemed like such a big deal when I first read the headline and some of the summaries, but then I read the article, the supporting documents, and there's nothing there. There's nothing. There's the information sharing everyone already knew was happening that has been widely discussed in the past. Let's go through the supposed bombshells. Behind closed doors and through pressure on private platforms, the U.S. government has used its power to try to shape online discourse. According to meeting minutes and other records appended to a lawsuit filed by Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, a Republican who's also running for Senate, discussions have ranged from the scale and scope of government intervention in online discourse to the mechanics of streamlining takedown requests for false or intentionally misleading information. This all sounds scary and stuff, but most of these meeting minutes are actually from that the already very, very public misinformation and disinformation subcommittee that was part of an effort to counter foreign influence campaigns. As is clear on their website, their focus is very much on information sharing with an eye towards protecting privacy and civil liberties, not suppressing free speech. As is clear on their website, are you just using the website to... Man, fuck this. Information on social media could undermine support for the U.S. government. Oh, trust me, you don't need social media to do that. You guys are doing a fine job at that on your own. How disinformation is defined by the government has not been clearly articulated, and the inherently subjective nature of what constitutes disinformation provides a broad opening for DHS officials to make politically motivated determinations about what constitutes as dangerous speech. Okay, <clears throat> follow through, since we're going over this, okay? Politically motivated determinations about what constitutes dangerous speech are already how law works. Like, what we determine to be a death threat or harassment or slander or libel is already a politically motivated determination about what constitutes dangerous speech. Th this degree of arbitrariety is our already like an inherent problem in lawed society, you know? Now you're probably asking... Why is this happening? Well, the government can't outright censor us, right? That would be a violation of the First Amendment. But you know who can? Private corporations. So all it really takes is someone from the government to slide into some tech CEO's DMs and say, hey, we got a little problem. You, uh, you wanna take care of it for us? So included in this expose were leaked text messages from a former DHS official who is now a Microsoft executive talking to another DHS official saying, quote, these platforms have got to get comfortable with government. Platforms have got to get more comfortable with government. Really interesting how hasn't they remain, again, Microsoft included. That doesn't seem like too wacky of a thing for a government official to say when it's their job to coordinate communication between corporations and the government, right? I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that all corporations already closely work with the government, right? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. She was conspiracy brain. No, oh, guys. Oh, no. Guy, um, don't make me regret this, guys. Come on. The person who wrote this article was uh, Ken Klippenstein, okay? I feel like I feel like we're doing the meme where it's like the handsome guy steps in and the handsome guy is Ken Klippenstein and he's like, hey, the Biden administration is um, 
the Biden administration is um, uh, 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 doing censorship. And you guys are like, oh, hey, handsome. And then Shu comes in and says the same thing. You guys are like, well, uh, HR, hello? Like, don't you guys are just mad at Shu, okay? Calm down. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, the uh, corporations already work really, really, really closely with the government, like basically all of them. Uh, if you if you run like a moderately sized business, you probably have a decent like handle on local politics at least, because your business provides jobs and your financial security reflects on the community that you're in. If you own a big business like a social media company, like no matter what the laws are, you are going to be collaborating with government, right? Uh, there's always something to talk about, you know? It really depends on the details, of course. Vosh stopped holding water for his reactionary friend challenge? Ugh. You guys are insufferable. She was saying the government can't be involved with social media corporations whatsoever also logically means there can't be government regulation of social media. Well, yeah, I think I think Shu's of the opinion that the only stuff that should be banned from social media is like overtly illegal stuff, like the Kyle Kalinske, like, free speech extremist take. I think that's her position. Why are my computer fans running right now? What am I doing? Oh, wait, I'm streaming. Yeah, that always takes a bit of CPU. Yikes. JP Morgan Chase True. stressed that we need a media infrastructure that is held accountable. <laughs> the banks? The f***ing banks? Everybody stop posting your opinions. The banks are mad. <laughs> there is also a formalized process for government officials to directly flag content on Facebook or Instagram and request that it be throttled or suppressed through a special Facebook portal that requires a government or law enforcement email to use. Okay, okay, let me get this straight. The feds are monitoring Facebook and Instagram? What the hell could possibly be going on on Instagram? The feds are reading your simp replies. The feds have seen you call me mommy. The challenge is particularly acute- I don't know anything about Instagram. ...in marginalized communities, which are often the targets of false or misleading information. Oh, you hear that, black and brown people? You're particularly being monitored by the FBI. But don't worry, it's for the targets of false or misleading information. Well, I think this is saying they're often the targets of it, not that they're often the perpetrators of it. Though the, the FBI certainly does have a history of uh, undue monitoring of people of color. Oh, you hear that, black and brown people? You're particularly being monitored by the FBI. But don't worry, it's for your own good. You're just too stupid to come up with your own conclusions. No, 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 no. The thing said that they're often subject to misinformation. Don't do the bigotry of low expectations thing where it's like saying that people of color got it worse means that you're patronizing them. You need the government to do it for you. You need the government and corporations to step in and control what and what you cannot say. No, wait. That, okay, so she did misread it. It is about, yeah, no, it's, it's about them being the victims of the misinfo, not the perpetrators of it. Also, this is just the conservative bigotry of low expectations thing. Silly minority. The counter disinformation effort began in 2018, following a high-profile hacking incident of U.S. firms, when Congress passed and President Donald Trump signed the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency Act. They argued that the agency needed to take steps to halt the spread of false and misleading information, with a focus on information that undermines key democratic institutions, such as the courts, or by other sectors such as the financial system 
or public health measures. In 2019, DHS created a separate entity called the Foreign Influence and Interference Branch to generate more detailed intelligence about disinformation. In 2020, the disinformation focus expanded to include COVID-19, according to a Homeland Threat Assessment issued by Acting Secretary Chad I just looked at YouTube chat. Somebody said, if I speak bad about her, will I get banned? I'm like Vosh's only brown fan. <clears throat> Very normal discourse in the community today. Thank you. Wolf. Chad Wolf. <laughs> this apparently started during the Trump administration and continued into the Biden administration. So this is not even a left versus right thing. This is once again an us versus them thing. But it will no doubt once again be turned into a left versus them. right thing because the two-party system and its consequences have been a disaster for the American race. Sorry, it appears I have already popped off. In 2004, DHS officials faced pressure from the George W. Bush She's right there administration to heighten the national threat level for terrorism in a bid to influence voters prior to the election. According to former DHS Secretary Tom Ridge, U.S. officials have routinely lied about an array of issues. American race. Guys, guys, it's a joke. The blank has been a disaster. Consequences for the human race is the quote, but it's about America. So she said American race. It's a joke. It's come on. <laughs> She's not a white nationalist. Guys, please. I'm begging you. I'm, I'm fighting. I'm fighting for my life on this one. Oh my god. I feel like there. Are, I feel like there are two groups of there's. There's like a crowd of people throwing rocks at you in my chat, and some of them are wearing blue shirts, and some of them are wearing red shirts, and I have to catch all the rocks that are thrown by red shirt people, but the blue shirt rocks can go through. From the causes of its wars in Vietnam and Iraq to their more recent around the role of National Institutes of Health in funding the Wuhan Institute of Virology's coronavirus research. Now, for those of you who don't know, the DHS was literally created in response to 9-11. So now, instead of going after Muslims, they're going after you for posting things that will be mainstream headlines in six months. Uh, um, nah. Come on, Shu. Come on. You've been on social media, you know there's a shit ton of real misinformation out there. Let's not pretend that everything that they want to curtail is shit. <clears throat> this is like a COVID denialism thing. Basically, this is their new war on terror. Was the DHS really main response to 9-11? Yeah. It's the newest uh, federal branch. Uh, the, the newest uh, executive um, department. It was formed in 2002, which was after 9-11. You know, I think it has an okay logo. What do you guys think? Like, I know, I know when we see, like, the eagle, we think fascism, but a ton of the U.S. federal departments look like that. I think the logo looks okay. Let me check. Federal department logos. <clears throat> Excuse me. The green is weird. I, I agree. The little, the green here is weird. I don't know why it couldn't just be a shade of blue. All right. Terror and baby... You're the terrorists. Remember a few months ago when they announced the misinformation government? No, the Republicans said they were the terrorists during the last, um, uh, uh, CPAC. Is that CPAC? No. What is it called? My brain is soup, man. CPAC, yeah. Board, and they made some ex-theater kid liberal wine mom in charge of it, and she was cyberbullied so bad that they actually had to put the entire project on hold. Yeah, turns out we celebrated way too early. That was Because funny. apparently they didn't put it on hold. Jen Esterly, Biden's appointed director. Shoe video.
director of CISA, swiftly made it clear that she would continue to shift resources in the agency to combat the spread of dangerous forms of information on social media. One could argue we're in the business of critical infrastructure, and the most critical infrastructure is our cognitive infrastructure. So building that resilience to misinformation and disinformation, I think, is incredibly important. Forget our crumbling infrastructure all across the country, collapsing bridges and highways and potholes everywhere, no. We need to focus on cognitive infrastructure. Well, Shu, we only get to repair our real-life infrastructure if the right people are in office. And if a bunch of misinformation is getting fascist elected, then yeah. In a democracy, the, you know, our ability to make good choices at the ballot box is the kind of, like, predicating factor for essentially any other good thing that can be done. It's not as though the DHS or any of its departments have the ability to repair our bridges on their own, after all. Like, they, if, if they wanted to contribute to that, they would have to, like, like, this would be the way in which they would do it. Your brain! Your brain is infrastructure to these freaks! Well, I mean, on a, on a social level, I mean, yeah, right? Like, building, like, a good education is cognitive infrastructure, right? Like, if you, if you mandate, um, secondary education for everyone and you try to make, like, college cheaper and stuff, you're built, you're building cognitive infrastructure, right? Like, you're trying to, you're, because, like, obviously it's euphemistic. It's not literally, like, a bridge you're rebuilding. But the idea is that, like, the, the, the sort of, the, the cognitive well-being of a country is a contributor to its success. And you want to maintain that, which is not a controversial opinion, I don't think. Do you hear that? I hate cars. Why are you driving a car? Where are you going at this hour? Are you True. coming home from work? Why aren't you at home yelling at your webcam? <laughs> cars. Where is my high-speed rail? In June, True. the same DHS well, advisory- Well, hey, well, yeah, see, it, we talked about that. ...advisory committee of CISA, which includes Twitter head of legal policy, trust, and safety, Vijaya Gaddy. God, I'm so white. And University of Washington professor Kate Starbird drafted a report to the CISA director calling for an expansive role for the agency in shaping the information ecosystem. Facebook and Twitter accounts flagged by the DHS or its partners as dangerous forms of disinformation or potentially foreign influence were clearly parody accounts or accounts with virtually no followers or influence. <laughs> so when this topic comes up, people always ask me like, well, shoot, misinformation is a very big problem. It's that's true. Dangerous, like, what should we do about it? And in a normal, sane world, nothing. To combat misinformation, you would fill the internet with correct information, I suppose. You could it's not working. It doesn't work. Unfortunately, I, I wish. It's, that's, we're trying that. Probably start by not banishing people to little corners of the internet in echo chambers where they're just surrounded by people who agree with them, where they just all have their potentially wrong facts validated to each other. Hell so that's that's a really common narrative, but from what we can see, like deplatforming bad actors does not increase disinformation. The problem is not the entire like the small cabal of people who flee Twitter to go get all their info from like some dark corner of the internet. The problem is like if those misinformation actors are present on like major social media sites, the millions and millions of people who just casually adopt their views, you know, like the amount of misinformation and th like the amount of anti-Semitism in the world doesn't go up if you take down like a huge popular anti-Semitic TV show. It, it, it just doesn't, you know, um, a lot of people, unfortunately, like it sucks to think about this, but a lot of people don't put that much thought into what they're thinking about. A lot of people will just casually adopt bad positions 
because they're adjacent to them. They hear it being said by their friends, they see it casually on TV or on social media, and then if those positions disappear, those ideas just kind of like siphon out of the minds of a lot of the people who might have otherwise had them, or who did have them, you know? A lot of bigotry is just being in an environment that is bigoted and adopting passively the stuff that's around you. So if the largest environments in, in your social media space don't really have that bigotry, or at least have not that much of it, you know, it, it just does not, it, it doesn't, you know, come across as much, right? Like, think about it this way. Was there a sudden, like, massive upsurge in socialist or in, like, pro-queer, pro-Jew thought? when the Nazis started, like, taking down Jewish and progressive media stations after they took power? Like, was was there a giant blowback in Nazi Germany after the Nazis started, like, censoring their enemies? Where, like, oh, actually, now that you've taken them out of the public space, in reality, they're actually growing stronger. Like, no. They just killed, like, 10 million people. <laughs> you know? Um, no, it, it, they actually just killed a ton of people after that. And uh, enjoyed basically zero dissent from within their own country up until the end of the war, you know? Um, it just doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Well, I don't even mind those little fact check blurbs that like Twitter has that I like show those. up They're on cute. people's posts. As long as people aren't being banned or censored. But I have two issues with the fact checking thing. One- Army. No, I tried to grab him, sorry. It honestly just ruins jokes. <laughs> like a few months ago, I made a joke about the Choco Taco being discontinued by the woke mob. And I shit you not, my meme was removed by Twitter. Then I got fact-checked online by multiple fact-checking websites. We used to be able- Okay, to be, to be clear, that is funnier though. Doesn't that make it funnier? Right? I think that makes that funnier, personally. I think that improves everything about- Yeah. It was it was like how the Kharkiv Kid Finder meme didn't get that funny until I got um, Reuters to fact check it. Like that that was the apex of of the comedy from Reuters.com. Thank you. And now I have a contact with Reuters because of this, because he emailed me and he was like, Hey, just checking, have you ever been to Kharkiv, the Oblast Kharkiv in Ukraine? I was like, No, sir, I have not. He was like, Okay, I didn't think so. Just making sure. <laughs> Thank you, Elijah Schaefer. Good stuff. Of course. Why, why, of course not. There is no evidence based on his recent streams that Kochinsky is in Kharkiv. Vosh.gg. Love that, by the way. Like, I, I have, like, a cardboard backdrop of my stream set over here that I just, like, move with me slowly. When I take a day off streaming, it's because I'm flying internationally on, like, a, one of those jumbo jets. And I have all this, like, in, in, the, in the storage bay. You know what I mean? Yeah, don't move your arm too much. Whack! Just it all falls down, and behind me you see like the rolling green pastures of Ukraine. You know, I'm I'm currently in Kharkiv. You can't hear the explosions because I have a really good mic gate. It's the same reason you can't hear the cats meow. You know? <laughs> Just... <laughs> Sorry. To goof around on the internet, it was a beautiful place. Now you get Reuters and AFP fact check on your ass for doing a little trolling. But my biggest issue with it is the one I've been saying for years in multiple videos. Who is deciding what and what isn't misinformation? All right, listen, here's the, th okay, here's the thing. This is a legitimate thing to be concerned about, but we have to remember it's the same question that we have when it comes to making laws, right? Well, who gets to decide what's illegal or what's not? This is a question which has been the constant subject of debate 
it always will be, there will never be any human society where they suddenly find some objective way of determining what is good and what is not. It will never happen ever. But that is just a part of democracy. You have to accept that fact and then move forward from it, right? Like, the question, who gets to decide what is misinformation, is not a defeater to the idea that somebody has to decide. It should be answered in good faith. Well, who gets to decide, you know? Um, maybe people who have a vested interest in the spread of good information. Maybe people who have, like, connections to education, you know? Maybe people who have, like, left-leaning political positions because those are morally better than right-leaning political positions, you know? Like, it, it, it's, it's not a defeater. It should be answered as a regular question, right? Google, Facebook, Twitter, you want Elon Musk deciding what is misinformation? The government? The American government? You want the American government? The difference is we can elect officials, but we can't elect these people. A reminder, I am fully in favor of the right for corporations to have terms of service. Again, I don't think Club Penguin shouldn't be legally allowed. Like, can, can you just imagine what the internet would be like if no website could ever ban anyone for doing anything that wasn't explicitly like child pornography or death threats? Do you... Do you have any idea what the internet would be like? There wouldn't even be an internet anymore. Like, every niche forum would just turn into, like, a neo-Nazi den the moment anybody wanted to sit in there, and nobody could do anything about it because it would be literally illegal to ban them. There would be people taken to federal court, tried in federal court, charged, fined, or arrested, or jailed federally for banning neo-Nazis from their, like, niche car repair forum. Like, this is insane. This is an insane world. Nobody thinks that this is, like, a real thing that can actually be, like, done or, or happen or whatever. Like, that's absolutely not. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the fact of the matter is right now is that the people who are mostly spreading misinformation, the people who are the worst about it, are already about as bad as actors get, right? Like, the Republican Party is basically like a fascist borderline neo-Nazi party at this point, you know? Like, with their essentially open endorsement of the anti-Semitism that Kanye has shown, I mean, it's pretty clear, like, where they're putting their chips. It's pretty obvious where they're leaning. So, the problem is, like, even if really bad actors are deciding what is or isn't misinformation, can they get any worse than the people actually spreading this misinformation? <laughs> I don't know if they can. Honestly, uh, we're, we're reaching a point now where almost any definition of misinformation is going to be better than what we get right now from like no moderation basically obviously we should still strive to make as good of a definition as possible but like government to decide what is true and what isn't for you you want them to wipe your ass too you little baby little here comes the airplane looking motherfucker well we we already have corporations deciding tos and whether you abide by it and we already have the government deciding what is and isn't illegal so like, yeah, the government and billionaire-run corporations have never been wrong. What? Are you listening to yourself? Under President Joe Biden, the shifting focus- Again, like, I, I, I don't know what the follow-through to this is, because the question is like, okay, so do you not believe in the concept of law? Like, no, like, the government is the one that wrote down that murder is illegal. Like, that, that's a follow-through from British common law that's been adopted into American legislation. Should we, like, is that- Because, like, the government's never been wrong. I mean, they have been, but, like, okay. Right? 
focus on disinformation has continued. In January 2021, CISA replaced the Countering Foreign Influence Task Force with the Misinformation, Disinformation, and Malinformation Team, which was created to promote more flexibility to focus on general MDM. By now, the scope of the effort had expanded beyond disinformation produced by foreign governments to include domestic versions. The MDM team, according to one CISA official, counters all types of disinformation. Now, some people will see this video and they'll be like, Shu, are you really defending people who post misinformation and hate speech and are toxic online? Yes, because that's what free speech is. Like Noam Chomsky said. What if the propagation of misinformation leads to people believing in fascist conspiracy theories, which then leads to fascists taking over the government and then they get rid of all of this? Like, so if this speech has consequences, like what, what, what if the consequences of some types of misinformation leads to the further eradication of our rights? Like what is more totalitarian, Nazi Germany or the DHS asking Facebook politely to like deprioritize the post saying that the COVID vaccine will give you autism, right? Facebook literally caused a genocide because of a lack of moderation. That's true. What country was that in again? Myanmar. Yeah. Because of um because Facebook like wouldn't step in on it, um, the, the military used info from Facebook to basically like cull political opponents, right? But I'm glad they didn't censor anyone. Mm. The Myanmar military's Facebook operation began several years ago, said people familiar with how it worked. The military threw major resources at the task, the people said, with as many as seven hundred people on it. They began by setting up what appeared to be news pages and pages on Facebook that were devoted to Burmese pop stars, models, and other celebrities, like a beauty queen with a penchant for parroting military propaganda. They then tended the pages to attract large numbers of followers, said the people. They took over one Facebook page devoted to a military sniper, On Mong, who had won national acclaim after being wounded in battle. They also ran a popular blog called Opposite Eyes that had no outward ties to the military, the people said. Those then became distribution channels for lurid photos, false news, and inflammatory posts, often aimed at Myanmar's Muslims, the people said. Troll accounts run by the military helped spread the content, shout down critics, and fuel arguments between commenters to rile people up. Often they posted sham photos of corpses they said were evidence of Rohingya perpetrated massacres, said one of the people. Digital fingerprints showed that one major source of the Facebook content came from areas outside Nepida, where the military keeps compounds, some of the people said. Some military personnel on the effort suffered from low morale, said two of the people, in part because of the need to spread unfounded rumors about people like Da Aung San Suu Kyi, the Nobel laureate and Myanmar's de facto civilian leader, to hurt their credibility. One hoax used a real photo of Miss Aung San Suu Kyi in a wheelchair and paired it with false suggestions that she had gone to South Korea for Botox injections, the people said. The Facebook page of the sniper, Mr. Un Mong, offers one example of the military's tactics. It gained a large following because of his descriptions of the day-to-day -day life of the soldier. The account was ultimately taken over by a military team to pump out propaganda, such as posts portraying Rohingya as terrorists, said two of the people. One of the most dangerous campaigns came in 2017, when the military's intelligence arm spread rumors on Facebook to both Muslim and Buddhist groups that an attack from the other side was imminent, said two people. Making use of the anniversary of 9-11, it spread warnings on Facebook Messenger via widely followed accounts masquerading as news sites and celebrity fan pages that jihad attacks would be carried out. To Muslim groups, it spread a separate message that nationalist Buddhist monks were organizing anti-Muslim protests. The purpose of the campaign, which set the country on edge, was to generate widespread feelings of vulnerability and fear that could be saved only by the military's protection, said researchers who followed the tactics. 
Facebook said it had found evidence the messages were being intentionally spread by inauthentic accounts and took some uh, took some down at the time. Mm. Censorship. It did not investigate any link into the military at that point. Human rights groups blamed the anti-Rohingya propaganda for inciting murders, rapes, and the largest forced human migration in recent history. Jesus Christ. Rohingya genocide. Jesus Christ. 92,000 people forced to flee to other countries, most fled to Bangladesh. It was estimated around 650,000 Rohingya Muslims had fled Myanmar as of November 2017. As of January 18, nearly 700,000 Rohingya people had been driven out or fled out of the Rakhine state, which sought refuge in Bangladesh. 250,000 Rohingya refugees already in the country to Bahar Shah. In August 2018, a study estimated that more than 24,000 Rohingya people were killed by the Burmese military and local Buddhists since the clearance operations, which had been started on 25th of August 2017. The study also estimated that over 18,000 Rohingya Muslim women and girls were raped, 116,000 Rohingyans were beaten, and 36,000 Rohingyans were thrown into fires. It was also reported that at least 7,000 Rohingya people, including 730 children, were killed in the first month alone since the crackdown started. Now, I ask you, this was all facilitated by and exacerbated by the Myanmar's military spreading fake news on Facebook. What could the Muslims in Myanmar have possibly done outside petition Facebook to investigate and block those accounts? What could they have possibly done? Or I guess I'll put it another way, okay? Has, have Facebook or Twitter bans yet led to the death of tens of thousands of people and the deportation of hundreds of thousands? Like, really ask yourself and compare this to the scale of the problems that really exist in the world. Have, have, have Twitter bans and Facebook bans led to genocides yet? I disagree strongly with Chomsky on this position. I think it's very ill-informed. If we don't believe in freedom of expression for people we despise, we don't believe in it at all. You know what's funny? Years ago, during like my peak anti-SJW phase, it wasn't really a phase, like I still am. Like, I hate when people say that. I still think SJWs are very annoying. They're very annoying people, but they're not like the most important issue, but... Anyway, going on a tangent. During my peak like anti-SJW days, I didn't really fully believe in free speech. And as I grew older and moved more left-wing, I also became more pro-free speech. And something I used to say a lot in order to get other liberals and leftists on my side was, what if it happens to you one day? What if they come for you and your opinions one day? And The, the problem with that is that if fascists win, they'll come for you anyway. The idea is that, like, fascists will reward your abstainiousness if they ever take power. Like, January 6th happened. They tried to do a fucking coup. They've been lying about it nonstop since and have been laying all the pieces in place for them to take over our country and dismantle our democracy. What on earth makes you think that because we didn't ban their accounts on Twitter now, that they're not going to do worse to us then? Like, the, I, I don't understand this because it's when, when we're when we're dealing with the content, like if could the Muslims in Myanmar, like it's like, oh, don't get the, the Myanmar military banned on Facebook because when they take power, they'll ban you on Facebook. The, the problem is like the scale we're operating on is so incomparable to the to the like the problems that free speech warriors think are like top tier, which is like TOS bans, you know? The way they talk about it, that you, you'd think that they're, like, defending the right to, like, protest your government, like we live in fucking China or something. We don't. 
We're talking about open fascists and neo-Nazis spreading clear misinformation for monetary gain. What about, um, what about like corpo propaganda from the, um, the oil and gas industry where they lie about climate change and shit? Should we let the world burn because they're, they have the billions of dollars to spread misinformation to keep people like arguing over this so we don't petition our governments to do more? What, what consequences are we willing to endure just to avoid the tiny, incomparably minor punishment of, hey, literal fascists who are making money, making the world worse? Goodbye, Twitter account. Like, it's such a minor thing in comparison. Honestly, now, I don't think they have anything to worry about. These people are so cucked now. They don't question anything. I just, I'm blackpilled. I refuse to believe that the people who are defending like the DHS is the same movement as Occupy Wall Street. I'm sorry, I just, these, these aren't the same. These aren't God damn it, Shu the same people i don't know what happened they're not the same but i am so happy that two leftists the, the 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 irony here is that like the biggest cuck move in my opinion is listening to all the fascists who are making it sound like being banned off twitter for posting neo-nazi propaganda is some kind of like free speech issue like these are people who are actively working to dismantle our democracy and are currently planning and within several years of potentially being able to do that and because of their incessant whining, they've convinced a bunch of sympathetic centrists and liberals that, like, this is actually the great free speech battle of our time. Like, the right to be a neo-Nazi and openly, like, collaborate to destroy our democracy on social media. Ken Klippenstein and Lee Fang broke this story. I am so happy that this story was broked on a left-wing website. Thank you, Intercept. God bless you, because I don't feel like I'm going insane. For once, this shit can't easily just be brushed off as far-right conspiracy or QAnon shit. Because I don't know, I don't know, I just think we should probably care- I don't think anyone was calling it far-right or QAnon. The, the the existence of the CISA branch has been public for a while, and it's received a lot of criticism from the left. I mean, didn't Shu already say that the lady, the wine mom disinformation Biden lady, got, like, bullied off social media, which caused them to cancel the program? Like, isn't that already evidence that... ...that the DHS is using private corporations to censor people. You know, this DHS... But again, they don't really worry about it coming to them. They can't see past this week. It's convenient that it's censoring their enemies. It's convenient it's censoring, you know, anti-vaxxers or whatever the fuck. So yeah, a lot of people are ignoring this, brushing it off, they don't think it's a big deal, or they're even for it. And you know what? Good for them, it must be great. Always conveniently having the good approved opinions. Let's hope that doesn't change. So that was- Must be convenient for non-rapists who support the illegalization of rape. Hope they don't make eating biscuits illegal next day. Wow, you're okay with rape being illegal? <laughs> Must be nice to not be a rapist. Well, you know, maybe next time they'll come for drinking coffee. I just... That was my little rant. I was not waiting for Hellworlds to put that out there. If you like this video, please subscribe and also consider donating to my Patreon. And if you can't donate to my Patreon, feel free to leave a little tip down there. There's a little tip button now. I didn't know that. Like, oh I should add YouTube tips. I would say my main problem is that you guys don't give me enough money. Well, maybe I'll get a chance to talk about this with Shu at some point, but I don't know.